All right, Mark chapter number 8 tonight. Mark chapter number 8, we'll read a few verses and we'll, we'll get right into it this evening. Start reading verse number 34. <coughs> and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and, excuse me, and the gospel's sake, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We want to read one more verse here. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also the Son of Man be ashamed uh, when his Father cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Tonight, if I can, I'll preach on... Oh, I can't talk when I'm bent down. Somebody help me right there. Preach on a challenging invitation and uh, I was thinking about another message, um, this not this morning, but I was thinking about it throughout the service, um, uh, a message that, that I've preached several times that has some different songs and has Just As I Am and I Surrender All and things of that sort. And uh, we call that time at the end of the preaching uh, an invitation time or a call to, to, uh, to prayer or whatever you may call it. Uh, but there are certain songs that are typically done more so for invitation, and just as I am is one of them. I surrender all, have thine own way, uh, where he leads me, I will follow those type songs. Um, and so, uh, those, there are invitations in, in those songs as well as in messages where there is a call to salvation. And we know that all of us need salvation, and I, I know I'm preaching uh, to the church tonight, uh, but we know that Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we know that all of us need an invitation to salvation. Uh, but then all of us can accept this invitation uh, to salvation. In Romans 5.8, uh, it says, But God committeth His love toward us, and now while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. And then in chapter 10, verse 9 and 13, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there are invitations to salvation, uh, but then there's invitation for comfort or to find comfort. We think about uh, Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 20. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We can go on down through verse number 30, but for sake of time, let's continue. Uh, we know that there is that invitation to find comfort. Uh, then there's an invitation over in Jeremiah uh, to pray in times of need. He says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. There in chapter 33, verse number 3. Uh, but there is a challenging invitation invitation tonight for the people of God. There is a uh, an invitation to discipleship uh, that we don't
don't uh, we don't focus a whole lot on uh, anymore in modern churches. There is an invitation to count the cost. In other words, see if you're really going to stand up for Christ and live for Him. Then there's a challenge or an invitation to suffering or uh, for deprivation or even for martyrdom. Now, I realize that there are very few of us in America as Christians that are going to have the uh, the title of being a martyr in our modern times, but there are men and women and children in foreign lands that are consistently being martyred for their belief. Uh, and so uh, there is a challenging invitation tonight in this passage of Scripture. I want us to look again. He says in verse number 34, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So number one, there is a challenge to forget self. <clears throat> he said, let him deny Himself, And this is not something that's easy to accept. It's something that we would rather forget if we can. Uh, we're all prone, and I'd say we're even programmed uh, from a very young age to look out for ourselves. To look out for number one. Uh, even if you go over to chapter 10 in the book of Mark, you'll find that disciples, of course they're just men. Uh, there's nothing, uh, I, I, I want to be careful, there's nothing special about these men outside of you and I. They're, they're just like us. Uh, but they had a, a calling on their life uh, to be the disciples of Christ. And they had the opportunity to walk with Christ and sleep where He slept and, and eat out of the same, uh, off the same table with Christ. Uh, but even they, they long for something better. They long for a higher place. If you go over uh, to the book of Mark, chapter number 10, verse number 27, down through... Uh, uh, close to the end of the chapter, if not all the way to the end, uh, you'll find that Jesus was telling them some of the same things about how that they, uh, if they want to be high in the the Lord's uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, they'll be made a base. And and He tells them that if if they want to even who was it? Uh, I can't remember now. Uh, they said. Uh, let me back up. Hold a minute. I got got myself old corn fused there. Uh, but anyway, Christ was was telling them and giving them instruction that that if they want to have preeminence, if you will, they're going to have to humble themselves. Let's say it like that. He says the same here in our text. But in this, he said that they uh, the scripture said that they wanted a higher place in heaven. They wanted to be first in the kingdom of God. They wanted to be seated at the right, seated at the right hand of God or of Christ. And Jesus rebuked them and said that won't happen. And so even the disciples, they sought to have something more. They sought themselves. But here in our text right here, Jesus says that you need to deny yourself. And we realize that in, in the canon of Scripture, we're in chapter number 8, and we're talking about chapter number 10, so it's just a chapter away. And they had already forgotten this lesson that Christ had sent them. Uh, but again, they had the opportunity to be with Christ and be reminded of, of His desires. And you and I are 2,000 years removed from that and from this Word, but we still have the Word of God to dictate to our lives that we need to forget ourselves, and that is a challenging invitation. It's a challenge to give Christ first place in our life. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It tells us that we need to seek first the kingdom of God. In Colossians chapter number 1, we see that there is only one that needs to have preeminence. In verse number 17 and 18, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Verse 18, And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. So it is Jesus Christ that must be first. He is the one that has the preeminence in our life. So in this challenge to forget yourself, I ask you, who has first place in your life? <clears throat> is it yourself? Is it, is it Hunter? Is it Caitlin? Is it Terry? Is it David? Is it John? Is that who is first in your life? Well, the Scripture tells us that it should be Christ. Number two, there is a challenge to full surrender. Notice again, he says, uh, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. It can be said both ways that the cross was about death or the cross was about life. It kind of depends on which avenue you're going, really. Uh, by the cross, we have life. If it had not been for the cross and Christ's sacrifice, we would not have the life that we now have, Brother Eric. On the flip side of that, though, we see the, the torture that Christ endured before the cross, on the way to the cross, and while He was on the cross. And so it consists of death. And Jesus says, I want you to take up your cross. And just as, or Jesus just has just revealed His coming death in verse number 31, look at it, and He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Just as Jesus revealed this, and Peter rebelled against that in verse 32, He still wanted them to know, if you're going to follow Me, you too are going to have to pick up your cross. There's a lot of folks today, even in our churches, <clears throat> that they want to follow Christ, but they will not surrender to Christ. They want to follow Him, but they, they want to hold back part of themselves. Well, when you take up the cross of Christ, you are laying it all on the line, and you must do it willingly. I, I know that God has the power to jerk us from our current place, to put us under the cross, and, and push us whichever direction He wants to go. But that is not how God works. He gives us that free will, but He desires that we follow Him. Him and that we choose His way and we delight in His way. And here He says, I want you to take up your cross and follow Me. I told you that Peter denied this or rebelled. It says in verse 32 of chapter number 8, And he spake that saying openly, And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Peter said, You're not going to die. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to allow that to happen. But the reason that Peter did not understand this and, and said these things is because he didn't fully, <coughs> he didn't fully understand the message or the plan of redemption that was soon to come. 
Taking up the cross is about full surrender. Christ surrendered Himself to the cross and on the cross for you and I. And we are to surrender to Him everything that we have. If if we hold back something from Christ, then we aren't fully persuaded to be surrendered to God. Lori sings that song, and she, she won't hardly sing it anymore, but it's that secret place, and we've mentioned this before. But if you have a secret place in your heart where you're trying to keep the things that you really love, I'm not even talking about sin. You're trying to keep that part of you that you really love you're trying to keep a part away from Christ. God, I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible. I'll study. I'll do this. I'll do that. But there's this part over here. I don't want you to bother. Uh, this is mine. I want to keep this. Then you are not fully surrendered to God. And Christ tells us in verse number 34 that we ought to take up His cross and follow Him. We need to be fully surrendered. So just as I asked you previously... Who has first place? I'll ask you this question. What's holding you back from the Lord tonight? And then last, there is a challenge to follow our Savior. May, may say the, these are kind of redundant, but it's just taking what He says. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, point number one. Take up his cross, point number two. And follow me, point number three. I want you to know this. We kind of kind of talked a little bit about it this morning just in passing, but only saved people can follow Christ. We live in a society where everybody thinks it's, it's and, and I want to say this carefully and I want to say it right, we live in a society where people think it's cool to be a Christian, but they're not truly following Christ. Now, I cannot sit up here and I tell you that those guys on the stage with, with all the smoke and the lights and all that, I can't tell you what's in their heart. I can't do that. As much as I want to say they're out of God's will, I can't do that. Because I, I don't know their heart, Brother Terry. But I know that's not what God's called me into. That, that's, that God, praise God, He delivered me from those things. But there's some folks that are legitimately in the world. I, I can remember a, a man, uh, we picked up his daughter and brought her to church nearly every single service. <clears throat> he, um, the best we could tell, maybe he was Jehovah's Witness. I, I'm not real sure what he was, but he was, he was constantly reading his Bible and he was constantly reading, uh, the, um, um, the, the little pamphlet that they send out to you. I can't remember what it's called right now. But they would, they, he would constantly read that. And every once in a while, he'd send a question by Sarah. And he would say, ask your preacher what he thinks about this. And he tried his best to, to, to follow God, but he had no relationship with God. He, he, he drank, uh, as far as I know, until right up until he passed away. Uh, he was not a, a good man as far as, as we would think of one. He loved his family, but, but he had some issues. But yet, he tried his best to follow God outside of a relationship with Him. I told you about the ladies that I worked with this morning. Some of them called themselves Christians, 
and they 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 put on the the airs of being such and they they said that they were praying and they said they were reading their Bible and and one girl I, I worked with her the most she said you know I started reading my Bible this week and and I just don't understand this and can you help me she grew up in church it was a church of Christ in in uh, um, China Grove um, was that North Carolina brother Samuel uh, she she grew up in church there her such and such was a preacher but but I, 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 I listened to her as she had these questions, and the reason she couldn't understand them was not because she was dim or, or, or dumb. It's because she had no spiritual insight, because there was no one living in her to explain this to her. Only someone that is saved by the grace of God can truly follow Christ. In John chapter 14, verse number 17, <coughs> John 14, verse number 17, we find the Scripture talking about, again, this Spirit of God, this Comforter. And he says, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. The reason that they cannot follow Christ is because they they don't know Christ. They don't see Him the way that we see Him. He said, Whosoever will come after me, let him take up, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The Spirit of God makes it possible for us to follow Christ. You can see this over in Acts chapter, I believe it's chapter 8, chapter 9, I believe it is, chapter 8. Chapter 8, there was a Ethiopian. He's returning from Jerusalem. He went there to worship. Verse 28, he was sitting in his chariot and he was reading Isaiah. Verse 29, the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he should come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so openeth he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch, this Ethiopian, answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with, believest with all thine heart, thou mayest be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they, they stopped the chariot and baptized. You want to know why the, the Ethiopian could not understand what he was reading? Because there was no one... And, I realize this is a tightrope, but there was no spirit leading him because the spirit was leading Philip to go preach to him Jesus. <clears throat> we've been in Bible study, and uh, we've been talking about ever since uh, 
ever since chapter number 1, we talked about how that nature itself testifies of Christ. We've talked about how there's no excuse at the end of chapter number two, uh, chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter number 2. Man has no excuse. And so the last um, Bible study we had, I guess it was last weekend, weekend before last, whatever it was, we, 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 we determined that even that person in the deep, deepest, darkest part of the world, though we want to send a missionary everywhere, I personally believe that they have an opportunity to know God in completeness just based on nature and God speaking to Him. And I know folks don't understand that sometimes. But according to Scripture, that the creation itself cries out about the righteousness of God. Could this Ethiopian possibly have been saved? Possibly. If Philip wasn't around to tell him about Christ, to preach to him about Jesus, it's possible that he could have, by the Spirit of God working in his heart, understood and believed what he said. But how many do we know that are lost, that they are not trying to understand the Scripture? They are not trying to go to church to find a better way. They're trying to do their own thing. They are edifying themselves. Their, their, their own selves has the preeminence in their life. And if that's the case, Hunter, then they'll never find Christ. If that's the case, then they'll never understand God's Word. <clears throat> but it is a challenge to follow the Savior. It is the Holy Ghost, even when we are lost, even when we are lost and conviction comes upon us and that Holy Spirit begins to deal with us, it is that Spirit that enables us to trust in Christ. Following Christ, it may lead through difficult places. There is, there is just a, a misunderstood idea that Christians have it easy no matter what. But we don't. I think we could all raise our hands and say, it's been hard. We have the same troubles that everybody else has. We have sickness. We have health problems, financial problems. We have marital problems. We have problems with our kids. We get in wrecks. We, I mean, we do all of those things. But there are times that the things that we go through is because we are following Christ. Because we are trying to do right when everybody else is doing wrong. Because we are going against the current, if you will. Oftentimes, as a Christian, trying to follow Christ and make Him first in our life, we've taken up our cross, we've denied ourselves, and now we're trying our best to follow Him, but we're going against the crowd. I mentioned this morning, sometimes that crowd that we're going against is the religious crowd. And even churches like this can have religious people in them. We mentioned discipleship and how that we've been very slack in that. It's something the Lord's kind of dealt with my heart over the last month or two. 
about having more discipleship outside of church, but I, I just don't know how to do that yet. But I want you to know that this discipleship, what I mean by that is learning the Scriptures, learning the basics of God's Word, learning what it means to be a Christian, learning what, as a Christian, what you should and should not do. The basics that are learned at that point will help you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. Of course, it's all through the Spirit of God. Accepting this this challenging invitation is going to make your life worthwhile. If we're holding back, we lose that on the best things. Verse 35, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. In other words, if you don't give your life to Christ... He said, you'll lose it. You'll lose control of it. It'll slip right through your hand. I think about the, 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 the song, The Anchor Holds, and, and I can't hear. I, honestly, I can only hear Brother Lance singing it in that 12-string guitar. And he talked about that sand slipping through the fingers. He says, if you'll save your life, you'll lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the Gospels, the same shall save it. Talked about those preachers this morning. Brother Kurt spoke of them. Others have talked about them. Those men, they were not perfect, but those men gave their lives for God. They gave their life in the ministry. They gave their life to their family, to a church. I mean, here, 35 years in one place, through mountains, mountains of of turmoil and loneliness. But yet, these men have given their lives. They have literally lost their lives for Christ's sake and the Gospels. And he says, if you do that, you'll save your life. I, for one tonight, and I'm not just saying this because I am the preacher, but but I'm saying this as a Christian. I want to give everything that I have to Christ. That may mean I lose everything, Kurt. But I'd rather lose it all and gain Christ and what He has for me than to flip that thing and try to hold something back from God and lose it all. 